Greetings one and all and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. My name is Mike Householder. I am a pastor here at Lutheran Church of Hope. And I am joined, as always, by Emily Langpaul, my co-host. Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, this is a really important topic we're talking about today, coronavirus mm-hmm. and faith and how those things intersect and, and, and where one might, where our faith might help us deal with this issue. And yeah. so to help us along the pathway, I can't think of anyone better uh, here at Hope to join us in this conversation than uh, my longtime friend, colleague, Sister in Christ, uh, the Reverend Dr. Caroline Benke Becker. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks, Mike. I'm really glad that you're here, Caroline. You're a, you're an MD, uh, a physician. You are also an ordained pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and going way back, just so people understand the connection here, you're a pastor here at Hope, but you're also continuing to practice as, as a physician. But that all happened. So you're a doctor who becomes a pastor. That all happened, as God writes the story, once upon a time, summer of 1993, if I recall. I'm going door to door, trying to start this church. I've got a, a, a stack of brochures <laughs> trying to talk anyone into coming to this new church uh, and ringing doorbells, and I just happened to knock on yours. Yep, and I was one of the suckers who said, sure, we'll give it a try. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. So, you and your husband, Tom, and two of your three daughters, right. third one not right. born yet, right. uh, showed up. And that was it. I that mean, was it. Yeah. yeah. We came when there were 20 at worship, and we've been here ever since. Yeah, pretty Man. wild. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing the way God writes these stories, yeah, isn't it's it? It's pretty awesome. Someday we'll have you back on the podcast, and we'll talk about the calling and, and all those things, and, and how does a physician become a pastor but continue to be a physician, which is, an, you're like the Albert Schweitzer of, <laughs> of, of, of Iowa. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, but, but, but have that same uh, uh, intellect. That's for sure. Mm. Uh, but we want to get right into this this topic because there's a lot of, of news and conversation oh, yeah. and a lot of information. And there's some misinformation, too, sure. about the coronavirus and how it affects us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife works in the travel industry, and I just talked to her today, and she said it is really having a huge impact uh, on the airline that she mm-hmm. works for. And mm-hmm. it is it is something that on one level or another, directly or indirectly, affects us all. So, Absolutely. without further ado, let's, Emily, let's dive right into the two-minute drill. Let's do it. Two-minute drill. Two-minute drill! <laughs> Every time Khalil does that, I just want to run into the game. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just ready to go. Let's, let, let's hit the drill. We had too much fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's time. Well, first question more about you a little bit. How do you balance being a doctor and a pastor at the same time? Well, the assumption there is that I'm balanced, uh, first of all. <laughs> it appears so. It, it, yeah. Appearances can be very deceiving. You, know? <laughs> you, you have us all fooled. Yes. Yeah. Calm on the outside, paddling really fast on the, on, underneath the water. Um, part of it is just being very pragmatic. It's, I'm a planner. I always have been. I sit down every Saturday morning and figure out where I need to be doing what. Uh, I am always looking ahead if I have to prepare something to teach or something to do. I'm trying to work a couple of weeks ahead because life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and part of it is a surgeon personality. I want to have all my contingency, contingency plans put together before I even walk into the OR type of thing. Mm. Um, part of it is is that that I've discovered that both medicine and ministry have very uh, transferable principles. 
Hmm. In that, um, in in medicine, what you're trying to do is solve a problem. It's really a lot of detective work, and uh, uh, putting those puzzles together is a lot of fun. But once you've done that, you need to be able to educate your patient in a way that they'll understand, so that when you say these are the things I think we need to do to to get you feeling better, mm-hmm. they are willing to to go along with it, to be able to persuade them in what I think is the best the best course of action. Ministry is really similar in that people come to you with questions or, or concerns or problems, mm-hmm. and you try to educate them. You try to teach them what, what the Bible said, what Jesus has said, in a way that they can understand, and then to persuade them that the way that Jesus you know, dealt with a problem is really the better way to do it. And the fun thing about ministry is, is the persuasion part really isn't as difficult, because if you can actually teach them what Jesus said and did, mm-hmm. um, then you just leave it up to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've just found that, that people are much more persuadable when you're talking in ministry than sometimes when you're talking in medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doctors really are teachers. Uh, in addition to being people who diagnose and prescribe and, and, and help on the physical side of things, there's also a spiritual and emotional component to it, too. Oh, absolutely, there? absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's maybe not as far apart as, as it might appear, uh, right, doctor no. and yeah, pastor. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, diving into our topic a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, what is the coronavirus and how does it compare to some of the others? SARS, Ebola, influenza, those. Okay. okay. The thing to remember about viruses is there's a, a several different kind of big families. The coronavirus that we're talking about now is part of the big family of coronaviruses that can infect both uh, of humans and animals. Mm. Uh, the things like Ebola, it's a different virus family. It's the Ebola virus family. Um, influenza is the influenza virus family. Mm. SARS, MERS is actually in the same coronavirus family that the that the coronavirus that we're dealing with now is in the same family. Mm. There's probably been some kind of jump between the virus that was infecting animals has now made this jump into humans, and that's why it's brand new. That's why it's called novel. Uh, we've not seen it before in human beings, and that's why it's causing a lot of concern. We, it's SARS and MERS. The, the SARS is the severe acute respiratory syndrome. MERS is the Middle East respiratory syndrome. Mm. They're the same family as the coronavirus. And so, we're looking at both of kind those. Kind of a nasty say, family. It's a kind of a nasty yeah. family. Yeah, really dysfunctional family <laughs> sort of thing. But what we're, what we're looking at is that SARS and MERS uh, are really concerning because their mortality rate is high. Now, we've got a, a similar virus in the same family now infecting humans. And so, we've got to ask ourselves, what is going on? That's why there's a lot of concern around the globe because yep. the other ones are pretty – they can be pretty nasty. What yeah. would you say to people who say, uh, well, the flu is worse, influenza is worse than – than uh, than coronavirus is it worse? Is it is it deadlier? Is it how, how do you compare those two specifically? You have to, you have to look at uh, you have to know what question you're asking. Okay, is it are more people going to die from influenza each season than than something else potentially because a lot of people get it? Mm. The the lethality, the mortality rate of the average influenza virus in the United States is 0.1%. Right now, for instance, the SARS virus was about a 20% mortality rate, way more, more fatal. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus now, we just don't know. There have been studies that are looking at, WHO came out about two, maybe three days ago and said, 
their concern is the mortality rate for this coronavirus might be as high as 3.4 percent. Mm. In Wuhan, China, it was about 2 to 2.1 percent, mm-hmm. which means if that translates here, and we just don't know. We need more data. We right? need more data. But if that mortality rate holds here in the United States, it means that this coronavirus could be 20 times more fatal than the influenza virus that we have. Mm. So that's, we just don't have a lot of information yet, but it looks like it could be much more of a problem as far as mortality rates than influenza. Okay. And, sure. and, and that caught, catches our attention, doesn't it? And the oh, attention absolutely. of people who know. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Next question is who is most at risk and what can a person do to minimize their risk? Um, not get older is one of the part of it, you know, <laughs> because it's oh, age. Man. I know, I know, I know. Gosh. Tell us um, how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish. Uh, people who are older, um, it appears mm-hmm. that the mortality rate, the severity rate is higher in people age 60 to 65 and older. People who have underlying medical conditions, like especially lung diseases, asthma, COPD, those sorts of things. Underlying um, heart issues, um, who've had uh, heart attacks in the past. People who have diabetes seem to be more of at an issue. Um, other people who their immune systems are compromised. If you've got lupus, if you are um, undergoing chemotherapy, for instance, your immune system has been compromised. Those people are at higher risk. There also seems to be, and, and again, we are just on the beginning edge of understanding this virus. There also seems to me be some kind of dose dependence to this in that uh, we know that there are especially healthcare workers who are young and healthy who are who are actually dying from this, maybe because they got a bigger dose of the virus itself. Mm. Um, and so there's it's it's age, underlying medical conditions, and potentially the the greater dose of virus you have might cause a greater problems with with severity. Again, a lot of this stuff we're still investigating. Yeah. So what can people do? Wash your hands all the time. Because this is spread by respiratory droplets, which means when you cough, when you sneeze, all that virus is going out into the air. If you, the, the, the droplets then can fall on somebody's, you know, if you're getting really close to somebody, you, you could actually breathe that sneeze or that cough in. But more likely, those droplets then fall on surfaces. And you touch those surfaces and then you touch your face. How long do they live on the surfaces? Or is it, un- is it unknown? It's unknown. Right now, it could be, they could be viable for anywhere between 2 and, and 48 hours. And so, again, we just mm-hmm. don't know. But it could be as long as two days later, the virus still could be viable on the surfaces. I'm voting for two hours over four. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right. If only. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, what can you tell us about the development of a coronavirus vaccine? Uh, we are hoping it comes, but the reality is is developing any kind of vaccine is going to take time. First of all, you have to figure out what the virus is. You have to, to sequence the genome, which we did pretty early on. We were able to get samples from China, and uh, we were able to sequence the genome um, within a week or two. So that was amazing. Then what you have to do is develop the vaccine. Then you have to put it into what are called phase one trials. A phase one trial means you're trying to see if the vaccine is safe for people. You don't want a vaccine that kills people, okay? So you want to make sure that whatever you're doing isn't, isn't making people sick. You don't want the cure to be worse than the disease. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So phase one trials, on average, take about three to four months. Then you have to move, move into phase two trials. Phase two trials are, is it effective? 
Phase one trials is it does it kill the patient, and phase two trials does it protect the patient. The phase two trials take on average six to eight months. Hmm. So we're looking at, in best case scenarios, we'll have a vaccine within about 12, hopefully 18 months if all goes well. Now, that's making the assumption that your phase one trials are fine and that you didn't flunk your phase two trials. I mean, so in best case scenario, hopefully 12 to 18 months. So when they say uh, there are rumors, and turns out from what you just answered that these are rumors that there could be some vaccine in April, are they talking about the beginning of a phase one trial, maybe? I believe so. I think that's what they're thinking. I think what they're doing is, is, is misunderstanding that when you start trials, that you're trialing a new vaccine. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get this at the local drugstore. No, no, no. Because once the phase two trials are then done and you know you've got something that's safe and that's effective, then you have to put it into production and ramp up. You said something interesting to me in another conversation we had about this uh, last week. What what is it about the coronavirus uh, when it comes to... uh, Treatment. You you said there really is no treatment or treatment is supportive care, right? Right, right. So what does that mean? Um, Viruses are not taken care of by antibiotics, okay? I know all of us, when our kids were sick, we would go to the doctor and say, give them something so that they stop getting me up at night and that sort of thing. You can treat a bacteria with antibiotics. There is not something like an antibiotic for viruses, So viruses, your immune system has to kick in and deal with the virus. While your immune system is ramping up and and developing the antibodies, then we need to support you medically, make sure that your, your fluids are fine, that your electrolytes are fine, that you're able to breathe well enough on your own mm-hmm. until your own immune system can kick in and actually deal with the virus itself. Yeah. Mm. So... The, the things that we are always told, right? Yeah. Uh, rest, maybe some chicken soup. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, lots of fluids. Fluids. And, lots of rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question for this portion. As a pastor, what counsel would you offer a worried world? Oh, um, first of all, God's got it. Mm. We know God's got it. We know the end of the story. Um, that's the cool thing about being Christians. We know the end of the story. Um, and so let's live that right now. Um, the other thing is, is that what I find fascinating about the Bible is that I believe it's the second question asked in all of Scripture <laughs> is in Genesis chapter 4. Um, when God asks, um, when Cain and Abel are, have, their, have their little tiff and uh, Cain kills Abel, God comes to Cain and says, where is your brother? Mm-hmm. And Cain answers, well, am I my brother's keeper? Mm-hmm. Well, the rest of the Bible answers that question. The answer mm-hmm. is yes. Absolutely. You are mm-hmm. your brother's keeper. Yeah. Therefore, we need to be wise and we need to take the precautions that we need to. Not that I'm worried about myself, I'm going to get it and, and have problems, but I'm worried about those other people that I'm coming into contact with. Mm. What about the older people in our, in our community? What about the people who have, who have diabetes or high blood pressure or who are in the midst of cancer treatment? I need to be sure that I am safe and following the right precautions so that I don't inadvertently get them sick. Mm-hmm. Then what it does is it gives us this amazing opportunity as Christians, because as Christians, we have been the ones walking into difficult situations from, from the very beginning. 
um, you know, Pastor Ben has been saying this all day today. He says, it's the Christians who were the ones who stepped up when the plague came. And yep. we were the ones who were taking care of people. Yep. This is a great opportunity for us to do that. So, we reach out to the people around us. Do you know um, the older people in your life? Do they have a plan? Do you know your neighbors? So, that if at some point in time, if you have to self-isolate, could you go get uh, groceries for your neighbors? Um, it gives you an opportunity to meet them, to care for them, to actually be that, that calming presence, the, the one who's thinking ahead and saying, you know what, we got this covered, and... And we got it covered because God's got it covered. Mm. Amen. So let's take a deeper dive right here. Let, let's 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 go down into this and drill into this. And I, I would like you to address this not just as a pastor but as a doctor too. Uh, if we're talking about worry and if we're talking about fear, and I just preached on this this past weekend, and if people are interested in in taking a deeper dive into some biblical um, understanding of that from Jesus' perspective, and the Sermon on the Mount as a basis, I'd encourage them to look that up on our on our website uh, here at Lutheran Church of Hope. But I, I want to hear from you as a theologian and as a physician, as somebody who looks at this physically and spiritually, uh, there are a lot of fears out there. There are a lot of worries. Some of them are uh, healthy concerns, maybe even, Absolutely. and Proverbs 22, 3, you know, reminds us, teaches us to prepare for these things, mm -hmm. to not bury our heads in the sand, to take precautions, right. that that's wisdom. Um, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble in this world, so let's not just pretend this is a nothing. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a something. Uh, people are dying. Uh, major universities in our own country are closing down, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for a season or for a time. Um, a lot of things are changing, at least for a while. And I don't know that in my lifetime, we've ever had a season like this. Exactly. You know, where people are approaching this thing. When, when in my lifetime has a major university in the state of Washington shut down for a few weeks because of a health concern? When, when have we had something quite like this before? So, so worries peak, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say um, are some of the places where we need to take some deep breaths? And what would you say are some of the places we need to keep our eyes on it? Absolutely. I think I think what we're witnessing is what we see in when we're working with patients all the time. It's the fear of the unknown. Mm. Mm. We just don't know. It's I mean, new, isn't it's it? It's new. Yeah. We don't know how to respond. We don't know exactly um, how fast it's going to spread, who's going to be affected. Um, I talk to patients all the time, and I'll say, you know, here are the things that I think might be going on. Let's wait for the test. Let's wait for the biopsy, and then we'll be able to figure out what our next steps are. Mm -hmm. Well, it's in that waiting time that's so hard. Yeah. And even if you have to sit down and have a really hard conversation with the patient, say, you know what, I'm really sorry, but you do have a cancer, and we're going to treat it. I can't tell you the number of times people are actually relieved, because now they know what they're dealing with. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Absolutely. And so, that's part of what I think is going on, is we just don't know. And that in and of itself, the not knowing, is what makes it so difficult. Mm -hmm. So, when you're in a situation when you don't know what's going on, you rely on what, what you do know. We know that um, there are risk factors. And how do you mitigate those risk factors? Okay, some of those are really, really simple. Mm -hmm. um, we know that uh, by taking care of ourselves, we take care of others. We know that that uh, this will we will figure it out. We will be able to help people, but it's going to be a little rocky until we get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, most of us don't have to freak out, mm -hmm. but we need to be concerned for the people around us. Amen. It gets back to the church's response in this, and what does it mean to be a child of God, and what does it mean to be a Christian? Mm -hmm. uh, I, again, preached on that 
this weekend and talked about how Scripture points us to pray, especially when it's something that is unknown, like you said, something that's new, something – there's a lot of extra fear there in our in our human nature because we can't control it. Right. And when you can't control something, you have to turn to God. And prayer is this incredible gift mm-hmm. that God has given to us. You're preaching on prayer on this prayer weekend. On prayer this weekend, uh, absolutely. So, everybody come and, <laughs> come and see. Uh, or, or tune in if you're, if you're out of the area, uh, because we'll dive uh, into it from that perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, we pray for those things that we can't control out of faith out of trust right. that God is in control. God's got this. And God's, more importantly, maybe God's got us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Even, even in the worst of circumstances, God stays with us. It, it, even, even in the valley of the shadow of death, Absolutely. God is there with us. Absolutely. And then, like you said, helping, I think, is so important yeah. for the church not to cower away in fear. Right. right. Um, now, there are times when it, there may be a situation where certain groups of Christians should should isolate themselves. I mean, if, if they are diagnosed with this, we've told our staff here today, if you're sick, do not be a hero and come right. to work. Right. If you're sick, don't come to church. Right. Th- that's not loving. No, <laughs> no. That's Absolutely. not helping. So, there's a time for that. But if you're healthy, if you're feeling good, uh, if this isn't hitting you like it's hitting other people, let's serve. I'm so inspired by the Christian church in China, in Wuhan, where mm-hmm. this all originated the coronavirus and how they are stepping up and serving um, and doing so with with boldness and with courage Mm -hmm. and with faith and with wisdom and with balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's important and most of all for us to love. So, to pray, to help, and to love, uh, loving seems to be the most important thing we can do and no matter, especially in the face of unknowns, we can always love. So, there's things here we can't control and one one of the things we can control is we can love people. Absolutely. And we can help where we can help. Mm-hmm. So, Emily, as you hear that, I'm really curious. You're a parent of young children. Yeah. As a mom uh, and as a leader of ministries that uh, have lots and lots of kids here. Mm-hmm. What is it that runs through your head and heart as, as, as you hear this conversation, but also as you just hear the news? Yeah, you know, it's... It's different as a parent hearing it that you're not just thinking of yourself. You're not just thinking of your neighbors. You're thinking of how do I protect these little ones? And I've heard a lot of things about this virus reacting differently to kids and that it's not as though a lot of kids are um, dying from it. However, I need to know how to teach my kids to not live in fear, but can I give them tools uh, to wash their hands more and to be uh, a little more careful? I saw this great picture of like the world is freaking out, but there's my kid licking a hand railing. <laughs> like some of <laughs> some of life, you just have a hard time. Some things don't change. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but I think trying to teach them uh, those things without instilling fear is really important to me, um, and teaching them that God's got it. I like uh, I like that. That's really the key. They don't need to know that the world is freaking out. No, and I think it's really important too to model yes. faith mm-hmm. for yes. our kids, and and to to make sure that they see that mom or dad or both, yep. uh, or grandparents or aunts or uncles or whatever influence you might have as an adult over kids in your life, right. uh, teachers, coaches, that they, we aren't freaking out unnecessarily, right? Uh, just uh, in some sort of way to try to control a situation we can't control or to expect the worst. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to walk by faith yep. and we're going to trust you know, that God's got this and God's got us, that, that, that there is a God who is in the midst of this mm-hmm. and he stands with us in the midst mm-hmm. of it too. Yeah. And even little kids understand people getting sick and they can understand that God helps those yep. people. And so a simple thing for them to do is to pray for them. Yeah. Uh, and that's great that that's a way that they can serve and yeah. learn. Absolutely, absolutely. So, in the midst of a of a culture that has these worries, uh, more so uh, from a spiritual perspective, Caroline, as you as you think about this, and as you think about as as you as you see it, okay. So you you look out at this world, you you read you read the news, you hear the news. What kinds of things go through your head? I mean, what 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 would you want the world to know? What what would you like to say to them about coronavirus and say, look, here's Here's not just what it is clinically, but here's how I would advise you to walk and navigate your way through this. What I would say is, is be informed and be wise. That you need to protect yourself, you need to protect the other people around you. Um, and so much of that is really easy right now. Um, we are not under any kind of quarantine. We're not under any kind of, of, of social distancing, that sort of thing. Um, if it comes to that, and it might, mm-hmm. who knows? Who yep. knows? But when, if, if it comes to that, it's going to be okay yeah. because um, one of the ways that I believe that God walks among us is through other people. Mm-hmm. And so, the epidemiologists, the scientists, the physicians, um, they are, they're, they're helping bring God's um, good kingdom into the world. So, let's listen to the experts. Let's follow them. If you know, heaven forbid that we have to close down schools and things like that. It's not because um, bad things are happening, but it's an attempt to prevent worse things from happening. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and so, keep that in balance. Um, that the way that God's going to protect us is with prayer and with action. And some of those actions may seem kind of weird at times, but they make sense if you look at it from a public health standpoint. So you have to combine both the science and and the faith part of this. And I think when you do both of those things, because God gave those both to us. Mm-hmm. Those are both gifts. Mm-hmm. Let's use all of our gifts. Yeah, and instead of maybe wringing our hands over what might be, it might be, time will tell. Mm-hmm. But instead of wringing our hands over things we can't control and we don't know are going to happen, so we don't want to waste time worrying about things that haven't happened mm-hmm. or might not, right. mm-hmm. uh, to be proactive mm-hmm. and, and to focus in on those things that we can do uh, and, and to zero in on it in a way that I, I really believe that while this is... Um, as I said earlier, this is a this is a new thing. This is a this is not a thing I like. I don't think anybody. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've jokingly said we are anti coronavirus in exactly. this church. You know, it, it it could affect the way we do church in, in massive ways, and so we're taking a lot of precautions. But in my prayer time about this, and in conversations with leaders here, uh, like yourselves mm-hmm. in this church, and in our staff meetings even today, the thing that keeps bubbling up is. In the midst of any time of potential suffering, and I want to say potential, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are these wonderful opportunities. Yes. And th- it's an opportunity for us to be the church. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for us to, to um, live out our faith in ways that when it isn't getting tested or it, we aren't getting pushed, we don't have that same opportunity. Now, I'm not a martyr. I'm not, I'm not looking for these things just for the sake of having this opportunity. But when it comes, the opportunity is there. In those times of, of, uh, 
discomfort, right? And dis-ease, <laughs> which is really what we're afraid of here. Or even in times of death, there are opportunities for us to, to witness to something bigger, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. We get the chance to be innovative mm-hmm. and, and creative and curious. Um, isn't that part of what God wants for us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, so yes, let's use the opportunity to, to be curious about our neighbors. Um, what can I do to help you if you need help? Um, how can we, how can we be innovative? How can we do worship maybe a different way for a little bit? Or, or, and if we are innovative, maybe we learn something that we want to continue even after, uh, uh, any, some kind of crisis. I think it's a great opportunity to, to grow, uh, and to become more of who God has created us to be. Um, you really are never, stretch to grow unless you're pushed. Maybe rather than freaking out about it, let's just use this as an opportunity to grow and to be pushed. Um, what a fun, uh, not fun, okay, um, but what a wonderful opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. to, to, to really maybe do something different that we might not have seen before. And, and times like this allow us to love in new ways. Yeah. It, uh, allow us to stretch uh, the way that we can actually serve our neighbor which is at the heart of Christian teaching, isn't it? Uh, it is spirituality better not just be a consumption of, of what we can get out right. of God, right. but to find new ways to serve and, and to love and to care and to help uh, and, and to do that in ways that are going to make a difference. So, you know, it is, it is an opportunity. So, so here at Hope, uh, already this past weekend, we said, okay, we're going to come up with fun, creative greetings instead of the usual handshakes and hugs, because it's kind of a friendly church, right? And so, people <laughs> like to like to touch a hand at least, you know, a handshake, if not a full-blown friendly hug. Uh, but from that to the way we do communion uh, and distribute that to, I never thought we would do this, but, y- you know... Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. Mm. And so, we dig in and we find that there's this company that sells communion in a little packet. And it's like cheese and crackers, you know, Lunchables, or you just pull them back and there's your wafer and there's your, your wine and you're good to go. Uh, think, things like that, uh, and you mentioned too, worst case scenario, and I hope it doesn't come to this. But worst case scenario, if we have to, if it breaks out all over Iowa and it isn't safe for people to socially connect with one another, we're not there yet. I can't emphasize no, enough right. we are not. that we aren't there and we may never get there. Hopefully right. we won't and we pray right. we won't. But if we did, we'll figure something out. We'll still have church. Oh, yeah. Whether, whether it's virtual church, you know, via video, we'll, we'll put it at will. And that's a good reminder too, that even when things are crumbling around us, if they do, uh, and again, I pray they won't, the church still stands. And, and, and it's going to take way more <laughs> than, than a virus oh, yeah. to stop what God is doing in the world today. Nothing can stop it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, there is, a, there, is a, uh, there is a God, and this God loves us, and uh, this God has blessings for us. I, I wonder if, um, if as we move to the end, we're, we're going to do mic drop moments here. Then I wonder, uh, Pastor Caroline, Dr. Caroline, I didn't know which one to call you there, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you would close us in prayer and, and put a prayer blessing over those who are tuning in and listening. But mic drop moments, right? Yeah. What I've learned a lot from yes, this conversation. So Did I, I, I feel like I went to the doctor's office yes, right. uh, and got some spiritual counseling uh, while I was here too. So what, what did you learn today, Emily? Yeah, Caroline, you said something that I thought was so 
cool because it doesn't just apply to this time, but it applies to any uncertainty in your life that you rely on what you do know. And we do know that God's got it. And the other thing that stood out to me was that this is an opportunity to model. And so as we talk about how to talk to our kids about it or how uh, to care for our neighbors, that is a cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Caroline, anything? I mean, you knew it all going in. So was, yeah. there, was there really anything to learn uh, along the way or, or what, what stands out for you? The thing that stands out for me is this isn't going to take down the church. Mm-hmm. It's not going to take down society. Um, God's got it covered. Now, the question is, is are we going to respond faithfully? And that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping, that we respond faithfully as a church, as a community, as a medical community, uh, that we do the best for each other, um, and that we put the other first. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. For me, um, playing off of what both of you just said, I'm not going to speak specifically to something that was actually said so much as just a feeling I get from having a conversation with you and both of you about this, uh, that we really need to stay in community in the midst of this, that when we isolate, uh, the enemy of God has a, has a real, uh, kind of leverage point there, uh, where we are much more susceptible to fear, Mm -hmm. much more susceptible to worry. Uh, isolation causes us to fret uh, or can certainly foster fretting, mm-hmm. if, if if you will. Uh, and so, just sitting down and talking about this today, and I hope uh, those of you who are tuning in that you feel like you were invited to sit at the table with us today too, uh, and that you um, got something from that, that God used this conversation uh, to bring some calm, but even better than that, so talking about it is good, and being in conversation about it is good, but praying uh, I find to be f- way better uh, <laughs> above all, because then we um, directly connect in our communication with the one who made us. So, I have a sense, I have a strong sense just sitting here that there's going to be somebody out there tuning in right now who needs a prayer, who who hears this and is like, okay, good information. Thank you. Uh, that that helps a little bit. And And I didn't know that, or I didn't know this, and that clarifies this thing I wasn't sure about. Uh, but what they really need is deeper and it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. It isn't just, okay, tell me to stop worrying and I'll stop worrying. It's, uh, I, I need the, the healing touch of God. And, and I want, I want God's blessing and, and God's spirit and a spirit of peace, right? Mm-hmm. To fill me up. So let's close with a prayer, Absolutely. uh, asking God to do that for, for each of us. And for all who are tuning in today. Absolutely. The Reverend Doctor. <laughs> Happy to. So, if you join me in prayer, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in control. The sun rose today because you are in control, and the sun will set today because you are in control. And we can count on that. That is your absolute promise. So, Lord, we know that you are in control of everything, of our everyday lives, of what's happening in the world. Lord, we ask especially now with what we're facing with the coronavirus. We don't know what's going on. um, So, we ask that you give wisdom and knowledge to those that you've gifted to be your detectives. We ask that you give um, patience and wisdom to those people who are working hard to uh, mitigate, to prevent any um, increased spread. We pray for our leaders, give them wisdom uh, so that they know exactly what is best to do for us as a community. Um, but Lord, more than anything else, give us all peace. Um, help us to know that that you are putting the right people in place, that you have us covered, um, that your desire, your hope, your dream, your wish for all of us is great health, is community, is love and laughter. 
And so, Lord, as Christians, let us bring that joy and that light into the world, because right now, Lord, so many of us are scared and worried, um, and too often the world feels dark. Mm-hmm. So, we, Lord, know, we know, Lord, that you've got it covered. Um, so, touch us now with that peace that truly passes all understanding. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Caroline. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Emily, thank, thank you. you, as always, to our production crew. Thanks, guys. Uh, much appreciated. And to all of you, thanks for tuning in and for joining us. Uh, we've got uh, some great new podcasts. In fact, we've got another podcast that's being released today on prayer. Uh, I invite you to tune into that one as well, uh, or put it in your uh, library so that you can listen in at a later date. Yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on my f- public Facebook page. You can find us on the hopeonline.tv site. Subscribe, like, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know um, what we can do to pray for you. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if you're worried, I pray that God will give you that peace that Caroline just prayed about. Uh, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, if you're healthy, help uh, and love and be the church and keep praying too. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, until next time, uh, God loves you. We love you. And we will see you real, real soon. Thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. We would invite you on whatever app you are on to rate and review us to help get the word out. And in the meantime, if you can join us for worship, we would love to have you. We'll see you there. I'm the typical.